0: Now this is recording. RTI International Center Forensic science. presents Just Science. Welcome to Just Science, a podcast for justice professionals and anyone interested in learning more about forensic science, innovative technology, current research, and actionable strategies to improve the criminal justice system. In episode two of our human trafficking research season, just Science sat down with Dr. Stacy Cutbush Starseed, a social scientist at RTI International, to discuss the importance of conducting human trafficking survivor outcome research. Service providers and treatment program directors are dedicated to the long-term health and recovery of human trafficking survivors. However, it is often difficult and complicated to understand the best way to provide support. To evaluate the impact and success of treatment programs, Human trafficking researchers work to systematically measure a constellation of survivor outcomes over time. Listen along as Dr. Cutbush Starseed discusses the application of survivor outcome research to the creation of evidence-based treatment programs, challenges faced by researchers, and the potential effects on broad policy reform. This episode is funded by RTI International's Justice Practice Area. Here's your hosts, Jacqueline Kolnick and Hannah Feeney.
1: Hello, and welcome to Just Science. I'm your host, Jacqueline Kolnick. On today's episode, I'm joined by a guest co-host, Hannah Feeney. Welcome, Hannah.
2: Hi, Jacqueline. I'm really excited to be here co-hosting with you today for this episode. Today, we'll be discussing human trafficking and more specifically, measuring outcomes for survivors of trafficking. Here to discuss this is Dr. Stacy Cutbush-Starseed. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you for talking with us today. Thank you, Hannah and Jacqueline. It's an honor to be here. So, Stacy, let's kick this off. Tell me about yourself. Who are you and what do you do?
3: Well, I am
2: a social
3: scientist, and I direct the Violence and Resilience Research Program at RTI International. My areas of expertise span the field of victimization and victim services, including human trafficking, sexual assault, intimate partner violence, teen dating violence, school safety, and mental health, and I'm particularly interested in measurement and evidence-informed service provisions. What impressive
1: credentials, and that's part of why we're so excited to have you joining us today to talk specifically about um, outcomes for survivors of trafficking. So tell me about outcomes. What are some examples that you can provide our listeners about what outcomes are?
3: Sure. Uh, Outcomes are a way to measure consequences or impact. In broad strokes, some examples of outcome categories that I'm interested in measuring among survivors of human trafficking include housing, housing, safety, physical health, behavioral health, employment or education, social support, parenting, to name just a few.
2: Those sound really interesting. So why would we want to know about outcomes for survivors of human trafficking? What is the benefit to being aware of these?
3: Uh, In the field of human trafficking, at least, we need outcome evaluations to inform case management for survivors. Uh, to improve the human trafficking programs or comprehensive service provision, to document the impact of those services to funders and other key stakeholders, and to inform federal, state, and local policy and practice. For example, when case managers measure outcomes, they're better positioned to monitor survivor progress or healing or recovery over time, Tracking outcomes can help a case manager visually see those areas a client may be growing or plateauing or possibly even regressing. Um, We know healing is nonlinear, so it's important to watch these trends and make data-informed decisions based on that particular client's specific experiences and needs. From a program perspective, when human trafficking program directors measure and monitor outcomes at the program level, they can make more informed decisions about their program's successes and challenges And importantly, resource allocations. So, for example, perhaps outcome data at the program level points to, say, poor employment outcomes for survivors, and that outcome just appears to be intractable and and really isn't moving. That may signal a need to reallocate program resources or shore up additional funding. You know, perhaps the data shows nearly half of our clients are very vulnerable in these outcome categories. Uh, then that poses the question, well, can we identify partners to support our service provision in these areas? So measuring outcomes helps program directors make data-driven decisions designed to move the needle further uh, on one or more particular outcomes. And in addition, program-level outcome data allows program directors to look at the data and see whether their services are helping some groups of people more than others. For example, perhaps the data show that the program does not appear to be as effective for youth and minor victims as it is for adult victims. Or using an equity lens, it might allow us to see whether the program is functioning differentially based on, uh, say, a client's race or ethnicity or primary language. So how can we improve with other clients? Measuring outcomes can help identify these disparities in program impact with the goal of remedying that disparity. Further, measuring outcomes is a way to demonstrate program impact to funders, to partners, other key stakeholders or constituents. Funders understandably want to see evidence of their program impact, uh, that their investments are making a difference and changing people's lives. For example, to be able to show a funder after six months of program participation, two-thirds of our clients have made progress toward most or all of their priority goals, that can really speak volume to funders. And if it turns out funders' investments aren't improving the human condition, well, they'll naturally want to invest those resources differently or elsewhere. Um, And finally, and very importantly, outcome data can and should drive policy at the federal, state, and local levels.
1: It really does sound so important from multiple levels. You know, you outlined that it can be used at that individual case management level. It can be moved at that program level and then ultimately help at, you know, larger community or state level, federal level in order to dictate resources, investment, or even support right that programs need in order to improve what they're hoping to impact and achieve in the lives of those that they serve. But we know that this also doesn't come without some challenges. So what are some of the key challenges involved in measuring these kinds of outcomes? What are the tensions that you know exist in the field about outcome measurement specifically?
3: Uh, That's a great question. There are innumerable (laughs) challenges um, and in fact, I think that's been part of why we don't see more outcome data in the field of human trafficking just yet. Uh, as a scientist, defining the measures themselves is a huge challenge. We understand, of course, that victims are survivors, and, and you'll hear me using those terms interchangeably, and, and also clients when referring to a victim or survivor in the context of uh, service provision or, or receipt. But we understand, of course, that victims or survivors exiting trafficking face numerous challenges and that no single event or marker represents progress towards successful outcomes. Rather, there are a constellation of markers that represent progress towards successful outcomes. And these vary widely according to each individual survivor's circumstances and their goals, their priorities for healing and recovery. So that was a starting place for us and, and a big challenge. How do we even define And how do we capture progress towards successful outcomes? Another challenge includes engaging clients in programs and retaining them in programs. We know that clients may pop in and out of services, for example, at a drop-in center uh, or in other service settings, for example, a residential setting, some clients may stay. Um, Some may stay and then leave and then come back, or others may simply choose to discontinue services for any number of reasons. So a case manager's ability to measure client outcomes may be challenged by the client's frequency and duration of engagement with services or with, with human trafficking programs. So that's a big one. Another one involves getting a baseline measure of survivor outcomes. You know, when they first come in for services, where are they in terms of those outcomes we're interested in measuring over time? One, we know that building trust between providers and clients can take a lot of time. Clients who are just starting to engage with program or services may not be willing or ready to open up just yet and share much about their circumstances with a complete stranger. So measuring baseline outcomes can be tough from that trust perspective. And in addition, oftentimes, clients enter services in crisis, and that may not be the most appropriate time to gather data points. Uh, Being trauma-informed means you may not get those baseline measures, but if programs do not get that baseline measure, that can also compromise their ability to show with data just how much the client has progressed since the individual first walked through the door. Uh, Yet another challenge is that clients' progress over time may be slow, it may be uneven or nonlinear, if you will. So creating measures that are sensitive enough to detect small but meaningful changes is, is a real big challenge. If we don't have measures that are sensitive enough to detect small change, we may wind up with, and this is my worst fear as an evaluator, we may wind up with data that shows, oh, this client didn't make any improvement at all. And when in fact that's not the case. It's just that the measure isn't sensitive enough to detect the small but meaningful, slow, important change a client is making in their life. Yet another challenge involves capacity issues facing uh, human trafficking programs and case managers. Naturally, a case manager's first priority can and should be serving clients, not collecting or managing data. And related, we know most trafficking programs have limited data management and analysis expertise or capabilities. That's not necessarily the skill set. Challenges also exist involving the data privacy and data security, which we take very seriously. Finally, and importantly, we don't want to burden survivors with completing surveys, uh, you know, completing outcome measures. We want to prioritize their service uptake uh, that's a, a pretty robust set of challenges. Challenges notwithstanding, we really do need outcome evaluations to inform uh, program development and document program impact.
1: Stacy, you raised that operationalizing or, or defining these outcomes can be really challenging. I think it might be helpful for our listeners to talk through an example of this. So maybe let's pull housing or counseling. You can take your pick of the various outcome measures.
3: Defining and operationalizing the measures was difficult. And we came at it in two different ways. First, we wanted the measures to be observable indicators. In other words, we wanted a case manager to be able to have conversations with a survivor or a client, get to know that client's circumstances, and be able to rate, if you will, how that client is doing in a particular area. Uh, That would mean that it it couldn't be an internal state of being, right? It had to be something that was observable. Uh, We went back and forth for a long time, for example, on whether we should include a measure such as empowerment, or we did hear that spirituality or, or some dimension of religion could be an important aspect to capture for some clients, and we ultimately decided to move away from some measures that really reflected more of an internal locus of control, like hope, right? A client's level of hope. Uh, that might be difficult for a case manager to assess, right? It's not necessarily an observable indicator. It's something that happens inside a person's. That was the first challenge. To use an example per your question, let's take housing. You know, housing, it's really more of an outcome category than a specific outcome measure. And we decided to approach housing from a couple different angles. One of those was the housing status, if you will. For example, is this particular client in a situation that where they're facing chronic homelessness or seriously inadequate shelter or housing? Or, for example, maybe this person has adequate but time-limited housing available for at least the next six months. Um, or, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, housing is more than adequate and it is not time limited. So those are just some different anchor points on our scale for housing. We had five anchor points and I, I represented the first, the middle, and then the end point to really just reflect the housing status at a particular moment in time. A different angle that we used to approach housing was how a survivor or client was able to manage their housing needs. you know, For example, on one end of the spectrum, we might have a client uh, unable to manage their housing needs altogether and in need of a lot of support, um, whereas on the other end of the spectrum, we may have a client who is managing housing needs and issues proactively and could find other suitable housing if they needed. And of course, there are, there are several points along that continuum between those two ends. But, That's how we approached it, really, from an observable indicator where a case manager could understand more about a client's circumstances and be able to rate that, both a status and then also their ability to manage their own housing situation.
1: Such an interesting response, Stacey, and I really appreciate the distinction of the specific project we're talking about today, um, which we'll jump into. Hannah has some great questions about that coming up about how you focus on those observable characteristics because it was reported by someone else. And I think those other uh, indicators you mentioned, maybe hope or empowerment, maybe better self-report measures, which is another way that people could measure outcomes, right, is asking survivors to report directly themselves. And so we'd love to jump in a little bit more to learn about this specific project um, that you were talking about. Hannah, I'll pass that over to you.
2: Thanks, Jacqueline. Yes, Stacey, you talked about a number of challenges. They all sound really interesting, methodological, programmatic choices that need to be made by researchers, by programs alike when supporting survivors in achieving their goals. Um, And you note that we still need outcome evaluations to inform program development, policy, things like that. So I understand that you and your team led the development of the Outcomes for Human Trafficking Survivors instrument. So please tell us about this tool. What was the impetus for developing it, and how did you get there?
3: I'd be happy to. Uh, The Outcomes for Human Trafficking Survivors Instrument, or the OHTS, as we sometimes refer to it, was developed to support comprehensive service programs for survivors of human trafficking. The tool was developed with support from the National Institute of Justice, the instrument is a case management tool. It documents the status of program participants or clients in outcome categories related to safety, well-being, social connectedness, and self-sufficiency. Uh, we designed the tool to be widely applicable to survivors who have experienced sex and or labor trafficking, uh, to be applicable to adult and, uh, or minor victims, and also foreign-born and domestic victims. Uh, how we got there... Well, we know from our human trafficking research, evaluation, and training and technical assistance projects that many human trafficking service programs engage in evaluation, but these focus almost exclusively on process and output. For example, how many people did you serve rather than outcomes? To date, we're only aware of a handful of evaluations of human trafficking programs that are identified in the peer-reviewed literature. So From there, we began an extensive search for all existing human trafficking outcome measurement tools that we could find, um, and we quickly realized that very few outcome tools existed, and none that reflected the Office for Victim of Crime's comprehensive human trafficking service model. We did, however, identify one tool that was especially promising, and that was developed by our colleagues and friends at CAST the Coalition to Abolish Slavery and Human Trafficking, so big, big shout out to our partners there. We were really impressed that they had designed a tool that was to be completed by case managers. Again, that's Reducing Burden on Survivors, and we really liked how they included observable indicators. We therefore used their tool as a springboard for our own, and from there... We began a very extensive uh, instrument development and testing process. Uh, It was iterative. There were many stages of development involving researchers, practitioners, and survivors of human trafficking. Uh, We conducted an environmental scan, uh, expert panels with survivors, with researchers, with practitioners. We conducted scoring exercises with case managers. Uh, Cognitive interviews. Uh, We conducted instrument testing with expert program directors and case managers to address the instrument's reliability and validity. So, again, several steps that were iterative in that development and testing process. We applied rigorous methods to the instrument development, refinement, and testing throughout, and we are excited about the contribution to the field. We think this resulting validated instrument is more advanced and sophisticated than anything in the field to date.
2: This sounds super interesting and really collaborative. Like There was a lot of thought put into the way that this tool was developed, but we also know there were some challenges on this project and some pivots that you made midway through. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
3: Sure. We started out intending to design a paper and pencil tool, but case managers provided loud and clear feedback that they needed a more nimble tool that would reduce the burden uh, of data entry and data management, really. So we pivoted mid-course and instead programmed our tool in Excel. Uh, And then they came back to us and said, well, this is helpful, but analyzing the data is also difficult. And so we went back to the table and generated some data visualization tabs within the tool that provide some snapshots for case managers. They're able to look at client-level data, program-level data. Uh, They can also look at client data over time. Uh, That was really the primary pivot we had to make.
1: Stacey, in our conversation today, uh, you've mentioned the term evidence-informed services. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that term means and how it relates to the OHTS?
3: Using that term evidence-informed services, I'm really talking about data-driven service provision. So looking at the outcomes, looking at the data to make decisions about Case management services about you know which services are wrapped around uh, a client or a survivor at any given time, as juxtaposed, for example, with evidence-based. Uh, in the field of human trafficking, we have such a nascent uh, evidence base that that really we don't have uh, any evidence base to point to to say these services work, these services are effective, or or this program is effective, but. Instead, what we can do is at least provide evidence-informed services.
1: I mean, you've talked about some really practical uses of this. What have you heard and um, feedback from
3: the field about the tool? Thank you. That's been honestly the most exciting part of the contribution is really just the nonstop queries we're getting about the tool. First, we, we know because we are tracking just the number of downloads, we've had over a 1,000 downloads of the tool from unique users. Um, we still don't know how many people are actually implementing the tool, but at least that's how many times it's been downloaded. It's been really exciting to see state agencies across the country pick up this tool and start implementing it with their human trafficking grant programs. Um, I, I receive almost weekly requests for training and technical assistance, or you know, just different people say that we're so excited to have a, a comprehensive help outcome tool Certainly folks have questions and we're doing our best to answer those questions. Well,
1: it sounds super exciting and obviously having an impact in the field, which is lovely to hear and to get to celebrate with you. Um, what are the next steps for this tool and for human trafficking outcomes more broadly? What do you feel like still
3: needs to be explored? One, I, we know <laughs> that the, we need to expand the platform. Currently, the OHTS is programmed in Excel for Windows only, uh, and we're really bummed about that. We really wish that we could uh, build this out in an iOS environment. We've received lots of requests to that end. You know, back to the pivot we had to make, I will mention that we really went above and beyond as part of our grant funding. We had only promised to do this in paper and pencil, but we wanted to be responsive and So we stretched our funds as much as we could to program this in Excel for Windows, but we just weren't able to take it that extra step and and build it out in an iOS environment. So that's next for sure as soon as we can pull down some funding for that. We also know that the tool is being widely implemented nationwide. I'm getting emails, um, like I said, weekly just from different organizations from um, states across the country we need to learn more about how it's working and what challenges case managers might be having on the ground and whether it's possible to make further improvements to this tool, uh, a version 2.0 of it, if you will. So we, we want to be responsive to um, the real work that's happening, case managers, program directors who are using this and find out ways that we could better uh, improve upon the tool. Finally, I, I think we're ready to move the needle as a field. There are many challenges that I think that there are many of us who are eager and ready to start demonstrating that impact, to develop an evidence base, to inform our program improvement and our policies at the federal, state, and local levels. So I I think shoring up additional funding from from federal agencies, from state agencies who are willing to make that commitment to documenting outcomes and uh, and learning more about survivor trajectories over time.
2: Well, Stacy, I'm certain you've sparked the interest of some of our listeners. So where can folks learn more about the Outcomes for Human Trafficking Survivors Instrument and where can they obtain the tool?
3: It is available for free. Uh, you can download it on our website. The website is www.rti.org slash human trafficking dash O-H-T-S. Not only can you download the instrument for free there, you can also download that uh, supplemental user guide. And in addition, we developed uh, what we're calling a development brief for those practitioners who may be interested in reading an abbreviated version of the development and testing process. All three of those resources are available on our website. If folks are also interested in doing a deeper dive into the science behind it, we did publish a peer-reviewed manuscript in the Journal of Human Trafficking.
1: Is there anything else, Stacey, that you'd like to leave listeners with today?
3: Mostly, I just want to say thanks to all of the, the researchers, the practitioners, the survivors who were We're instrumental in developing this instrument, no pun intended. Uh, We at RTI are committed to establishing a foundation for evidence-informed services for human trafficking survivors, and so we're just really appreciative of those who are also leaning into that process and and thinking about outcomes and, and how to better support survivors and service provision for survivors. We're also really interested in partnering. So if there are organizations or agencies who are planning outcome evaluations and And interested in pursuing funding to do that work together, you know, please contact us. We're we're always open to those conversations and and eager to shore up partnerships and relationships. Um, And and lastly, I would just say that, you know, we're we're looking for more funding and for mandated outcome reporting. Uh, We've got a lot of data in the field on process evaluations, and it's time time to move the needle uh, from anecdote to evidence.
2: Stacey, it has been a pleasure discussing this important work on human trafficking with you today. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with Jacqueline and I about this interesting topic.
3: I'm so grateful for your willingness to sit down and speak with me today. Thank you so much.
1: If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to like and follow Just Science on your platform of choice. For more information on today's topics and resources in the human trafficking field, visit rti.org slash
2: focus dash area slash human dash trafficking. I'm Jacqueline Kolnick. And I'm Hannah Feeney. And this has been another episode of Just Science.
0: Next week, Just Science sits down again with Dr. Rebecca Pfeffer and Dr. Kelly Barrick to discuss labor trafficking. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding.